you have stumbled onto another episode of Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life, where we strive for ways to achieve those two goals and we invite friends on to help us. And today we're very lucky to be joined by Ray Carmen. She is a professional life coach with lots of experience. She knows just the right questions to ask. And I'm going to actually give you all kinds of info on her bio will be on the website, which is getyourfillpodcast.com. But of course, you can listen anywhere that you love to listen to your podcasts, like iTunes and Stitcher and all those good places. So Ray, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Christine, for having me on. I'm so happy we finally got the time and space to do this. So I'm excited to hang out with you and just just, just talk about life and ways we're going to enhance our quality of life in 2021. Exactly. And, and this is, I know a lot of people are sort of like, oh, thank God 2020 is almost over <laughs> because this long awaited, right? Oh, 2021, the year of clarity and vision, and it's going to be so great. And then it was like, pew, a lot of people felt, I, I mean, I actually have a lot of friends and, and coworkers and colleagues who said that this year was really good for them for various reasons, but I don't think it's what any of us expected. Does that impact us as we're kind of transitioning to a new year? Yeah, so I, I truly believe that 2020 served us. And there is by no mistake that we've experienced what we experienced. And I think that there's so many gratitude gems that we can find. And I think 2020 had all of us expand. Maybe at first we contracted because of fear and lack and scarcity mindset. But once we got used to this is the way it is, I think that people really started to expand because what do I do with all this time now? You know, it's like life slowed down for, I would say a good six months. And then it started to pick up again. And I, I truly believe that if we're in such a rush to leave 2020 behind and kick it to the curb, that you're just going to pull that energy in with you going into 2021. So to really make amends with 2020 and find just so much gratitude for it, I think is going to set you up for the year to come. Yeah, that's an excellent point. You know, I remember one year what we did, I have some spiritual friends and, you know, people who are very, very in tune with the universe and, and that, and we had a, like a, a ritual where we wrote down the things that we wanted to leave behind from the prior year. And we, uh, and then obviously things that we wanted to invite in the new year, we put all the things we wanted to get rid of in a bowl and we had like a burning, we actually burned the, those little cards of, of paper of things that we, you know, you, you put your energy into like getting them out of your head. Mm -hmm. And then you can sort of ritualistically let them go to the space. <laughs> disintegrate just get rid of it right and exactly. so yeah i'm very big on rituals actually tonight i'm having a full moon ceremony and you know with a full moon it is about release it's about what doesn't serve me you know you filled your cup up half of the month and now let's go ahead and release it all and you know there are things in 2020 that didn't serve us and that's the space of release and um, I love rituals. I love diving into that space of intention and just, psh, can I cuss on here? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Burn that bitch. <laughs> I probably asked that question before I hop on. So. <laughs> Love it. So you, you, you know, we're talking about rituals and how that, I mean, what does that do for us? What does that kind of do for our minds when we have like a, a ritual or a, some type of special ceremony to, to transition years? So much in setting intentions for yourself. And what it does is it works with the subconscious mind and saying, I'm letting go. And this is why taking pieces of paper and writing out everything that doesn't serve you because you're telling the mind I'm letting go. And that in itself is so powerful. And then to see the fire element come in and have the flame burning, which is all about transmutation and transformation. And it's like the Phoenix rising, right? And so then you have that second component um, of the fire element in there. And just being with that, you know, and anything that we are, let me shine light on this, anything that we are releasing, if you also find how it served you, then you really know that you're clearing ties with that, right? Because um, everything is always here to serve us. And so this is why also journaling is so powerful, because everything that's taking taking on in the monkey mind. So I call this the monkey mind and it's like monkeys in a barrel, right? And they're all over the place and they're just, they're just having a play day, right? If you can take the monkey mind and just start to journal everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, your journal is a non-judgment zone, right? And you just release it all. You energetically have this cleanse come through because you released it all out. Um, so there's so much power when you go into rituals and journal prompts, mm -hmm. writing in your journal. Yeah. How long do you prepare sort of for a new year? What is your sort of process mentally? Oh man. So I already started and first things first is I get, and I don't know. Oh, here it is. I get a planner. And so I get a planner that has you write out your 10-year vision, your five-year vision, and then your quarterly goals. So I think that's always important. And then every time we come around a new moon, full moon, I do a full cleaning in my house and everything gets cleaned, including the uh, window seals um, is really important. And then I sage every corner of the house. And then I bring in my little sound bowl and I stand in the center of every room with a glass of water and I cling it three times just to clear any dense energy, put it in the cup, and then I release it back to Pachimama or to the toilet, whatever works for you. <laughs> um, and so for me, a new year is always an opportunity to do a lot of cleaning, um, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, I write out or I update my vision board. And so I make that adjustment so that I'm always in alignment. And then I always do a ceremony 
and it's a ceremony celebrating the new year and that you know can look differently so you know I pull out all my crystals I make cacao I pull out my journal I'll bring an oracle deck and I'll do a lot of breath work or somatic dance and I just channel the energy allowing it to vibrate and expand out to the universe of what I'm creating and then imagine all of the energy coming back into you and then you expand it back out to the universe and so it's a little bit about how I prepare for the new year um, and celebrating the threshold. Nice. It's, uh, I'm glad you brought up goals because I that's one of my things for always the new year. I always have some kind of a, and usually different parts of the, your life, right? I mean, I, I, this is my goal for whatever, fitness, and this is my goal for my business and things like that. But I know that there's a, I don't know what it, the, the, what the incredibly low single digit percentages of people who actually achieve their goals <laughs> or their, not their goals, their uh, new year's resolution. Mm-hmm. So how, what can we do to make ourselves more successful? Well, is it even make sense to call it a new year's resolution? Is that the mistake that we're making right up front or how can we be successful with these goals? Yeah. So goal setting is really powerful especially when you come from a place of alignment in you are understanding why the goal is so important to you and it needs to be a powerful why. And typically most people create a why that is from a space of lack, a space of scarcity mindset and fear-based. So we need to transition to a powerful why that's full of power and it's full of what you desire and what motivates you to get up every day. So a powerful why is important. The other important with every goal is a metric. You have to have a way to measure your goals. So with weight loss, because many people, they've gained five, 10 pounds through the holidays. If you're like me, I gained 20 pounds during COVID. All right. (laughs) I call it the COVID baby. (laughs) I think that's what the 19 is for. It's close to 19 pounds that everybody uses COVID-19 pounds. Oh my gosh. (laughs) True that. All right. You just shine some light on that for me. Um, So a metric is so important. So you have a way to see the change. And so it might be the scale. It might be body fat. It might be fitting into a specific size jeans. And with every goal, it could be a financial goal needs a metric. It could be some people are calling in their soulmate. And how do you call in your soulmate unless you have a metric? And it might be how many dates you go on or how many conversations you have with people on Zoom or how many virtual happy hours you can attend, right? So there always needs to be some sort of metric and then you need to have a time stamp. And this is where most people fail their goals is they don't have a date at the end of them. And so with this, you then get in a state of manifestation and people think, manifestation is just thinking of what you want. Yes, that that does work. And you have to be in action. You have to be doing something to show the universe, I want this, you know, and that you're ready for it. Because a lot of times we don't receive 
what we want because we're not ready for it. And there needs to be a space where you've built a foundation to receive it. Yeah. And I think, I, I do think that, especially for new year's resolutions, right. They tend to be kind of vague, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, 20 pounds. Right? <laughs> and what happens with new year's re resolutions, and this is with any goal, but particularly with January 1st is that people set these goals before in the past and they never stuck to them. So when they go to rewrite them again, the year, the next following year, their subconscious mind is saying, huh, you've not done this once before, so we're not going to do it again. And so the subconscious mind will self-sabotage you if you don't have a new plan. Uh, you, how you do anything is how you do everything. So you need to have a new strategic plan or the old operating system is going to take over. Yeah, that, oh, I've heard this one before, right? <laughs> Is this is our self-conscious mind our friend or is it a, is it for us or against us? <laughs> our subconscious mind is here to serve us and its job is to protect you. Um, and it's here to show you that you are right. And it always wants to keep you safe and sound. And it can also be a little bit of a ruckus. And I call it the, well, I use the analogy of monkey, uh, was it monkeys in a barrel, right? And the mind is also like a puppy. And when you get a puppy, you typically need to potty train it or it's going to shit and poop and pee all over the house. And that's what the mind does too, is it starts to pee and poop everywhere. And you're like, oh my God, I'm not getting my goals done. You think the world's against you. You think that every time you walk in a room that people have energy on you, but really, it's your own self-inflicted, you know, self-talk that's happening. So you have to train the mind because the mind is here to protect you. And let's say that you want to go skydiving for the first time, but you're afraid of heights. And so the mind is like, uh-uh, uh-uh, we're not going to go there. We're not going to do this. Well, the mind is going to win unless you train it. And so you do have to train the mind so that you achieve what you want to achieve. You have to break through the fear. How can we, do you have any tricks or thoughts of, you know, be allowing or helping us to maintain focus on those goals and helping to keep them front of mind so that we don't just sort of like let them evaporate like maybe they've done the last 20 New Year's Eves? <laughs> Yes. And it, it's called discipline and discernment with yourself. And most people who achieve their goals and dreams, uh, one, they should work with a coach, a mentor, someone who's going to support them and not only be their cheerleader, but also give them a good kick in the root chakra when they're creating self-sabotage. The second thing is, is set up what I call a foundation folder. And this is what I do with all of my clients is there's a folder and it's dedicated to their visions. So they have a 10-year vision typed out, a five-year vision typed out, and then they have their SMART goal typed out. 
Then on top of that, they have their positive affirmations, the ones that they are integrating into their system, and then any other things that they need to read out loud to themselves to tell the mind, this is what I'm calling in. And if you do that every day, you will see tremendous change in your life because that folder, which should also include your values and your non-negotiables, is basically the tool that always gets you back into alignment. But people are lazy and we don't always want to do the work. And we're like, ah, oh, I'll read my visions tomorrow. Well, then tomorrow becomes the next day and becomes the next day. And then you're unhappy and you're miserable. And you're like, ah, oh, I hate life. Life's against me but it's because you didn't stay committed to your foundation folder. And if you're reading that every day, you're reprogramming your subconscious mind and you're raising your frequency and vibration, which then attracts everything you're calling in. So we're using our foundation folder to potty train our mental puppy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So how does it work when you, you if I'm a person and I'm thinking, oh, I really need help achieving my goals. I know that I lack focus. I know that I haven't had success in the past and I'm ready to work with a coach. And how, did, how does that whole process begin? How would somebody reach out to you? And, and what is your, how do you bring people into, into the fold and help them do their thing and succeed? You know, when you're looking to work with someone, it is a partnership and it's like having a relationship with friends, families, or a romantic relationship. And you want to make sure that it's the right energy exchange and that you feel comfortable with that person and vice versa, because with coaching, it, you are going to go into spaces that are going to be a little bit uncomfortable at times because we have to shine light on the past in order for us to now shine light on the future, or you're going to just keep recreating the past over and over and over like those new year's resolution goals. Right. And so every coach does things differently. And what I like to do is I like to have just a 20 minute conversation with someone, get a feel for them and to see, am I someone who could support them? Because not everyone is meant to work with me and vice versa. And if I feel that this sounds like it's a right alignment, um, we have somewhat of a similar you know, vision. Um, I should say for me personally, it is a common interest of spirituality. Um, because in my coaching practice, I work with the universe, the cosmos, the ascending masters, and the linguistic patterns that I choose needs to also be the right vibrational match for that person. And so that's the first step. And then the second step is doing one coaching session together and allowing them to experience coaching because it is very foreign to people. They sometimes have a misconception that coaching is like therapy or working with a counselor. And it is very, very different. And it's like you wanting to buy a car but you order it off of Amazon, but you haven't actually test drove it yet. So you don't know if you're gonna like the car. So I like to have people 
to have an opportunity to sit with me. Let's sit, let's do one coaching session. And then from there, if we feel like it's really a good uh, chemistry, good energy exchange, then we can move forward with coaching. That's my process. I also think that people should do their due diligence and to interview many different coaches. Um, and, and actually interview them uh, to make sure that it's the right match, uh, do some research on it for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I know. I'm sure that if you want to really succeed, you have to get into the weeds and figure out why you haven't already succeeded in the future, right? We all have this, oh, I've got this goal. And I often say, if you're not already a millionaire, with, with all the books in the library and all the people and all the resources, right? If you aren't already achieving the goals that you want, something is blocking you, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you help people figure that out? I mean, it seems like it's not really that easy, is it? <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. If you're not where you want to be, it is because something is holding you back and there are weeds and we all, you use the analogy of weeds, I use the analogy of baggage and it's like trying to go towards your goals but you have 20 pieces of luggage behind you. And there's just no way you're gonna travel the world with 20 pieces of luggage behind you. You need to learn how to let go and condense and only take the shit that you need, right? And leave the rest behind. And so with anything that you're working towards, we do have to let it go. And for many, you know, different coaches, we all do things differently. Um, and we have a different process um, that we might take people through. I'm trained as a master practitioner of NLP and timeline therapy. And so I work with people on taking them through a process where we do look at the past. We have to crack open the subconscious mind or actually here's a better analogy. Imagine the subconscious mind has a straitjacket on and it has all these locks and these locks is actually your potential, but we have to go in the subconscious mind to find it and unlock it and unlock it. And you keep finding the gems. And then it's through that process that you're able to see um, more clearly. Um, you're able to feel a release. We're letting go of everything that doesn't serve you. Um, and so, because your past made you who you are now, the good, the bad, the ugly, and it served you. And that's the thing, like we have to be so grateful for our past. And again, find the gratitude gems and the past that actually serves you take with you and everything else just leave behind. So NLP, that's neuro-linguistic programming. Is that right? Or something like that? Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and how does that work? Tell me, tell me more about that. What is it? How does it work for you? So for people. Mm -hmm. So NLP um, is a type of training and it has everything to do with linguistic patterns and being able to work with the subconscious mind on doing a lot of reframing um, and looking at things 
um, from a space of a positive perception versus a negative perception. And also with NLP, there is a little bit of hypnosis involved. There is a lot of different tools and techniques where we can actually reprogram the subconscious mind um, with a lot of vision techniques. And so it supports you in letting go of things that no longer serve you. So it's a very powerful, powerful tool um, and a space of learning, um, you know, this learning NLP. So by reframing, you mean, uh, you know, I'm just trying to think of an example. Like I, I let's say I had some sort of a traumatic event in my childhood. And as you say, you, you maybe reimagine it or re review it as an adult now and you can say well yes this happened but um i don't know i mean mm -hmm. you're you're uh re-describing it to yourself in a more positive way and seeing how that made you who you are in a good way is that is that something that <laughs> remotely close <laughs> so all of us have experienced life impacts trials tribulations and they've been happening since we were young and in this space and i'm going to use this example you have a six-year-old and they're dropped off to kindergarten class and their parents are not used to getting off of work and swinging by school to pick up their child so maybe this parent because it's something new uh, it's a new regimen instead of picking up their child from school they went home and then the school had to call the parent and say, hey, your child's been waiting for a good hour, hour and a half. Um, can you have someone come pick them up? And the parents was like, oh my God, I totally forgot that I needed to go do that. And it might seem as adults very minor, but to a child, that was everything. And so the parent comes and the child downloads a story. My parent is just too busy for me. And they download a limiting belief of I'm not important. And what happens is that that story of my parent is too busy for me ends up being a story that stays in this child's life in everything. Their, their mind, their subconscious mind, the reticular activator is looking for every scenario in life of people are too busy for you. And they also have this belief now of I'm not important. And now that's playing out in everything in their vortex. And so as we get older, and we come to these, you know, epiphanies of I've not created a million dollars like I want to create. We have to look at that child of what they downloaded in the moment. Now, you can stay a victim to your story and say, I'm not important to everybody. Everyone's too busy for me and I'm not important. You can say a victim to that story and see how it works out for you going forward or we can rewrite the story and to be empowered by it. And so we tap into that inner child and we talk to that inner child and you let that inner child know you're safe, you're protected. It's not that you're not important 
and you create a new story, one that is more powerful. And you say, my parent just simply forgot to pick me up and it was a new routine and you rewrite it. Now, there's a power in rewriting our stories. See, we go around looking for all the negative. We look for all the reasons why people don't like us or they're not going to pick us or why they're not going to call us. We're so programmed for negativity. So we tend to create stories in our head that are false, like that person across the street doesn't like me. But do you really know that unless they spoke it to you in person and actually said that to you? If not, you're creating a story. So if we can easily create negative stories, then why not create positive stories? Why not take the past and actually create something new so the subconscious mind lets go of, I'm not important. And so that's the power of rewriting our stories um, and being able to basically release ourselves to set ourselves free uh, because our past is always what's crippling us from where we want to go. Yeah, that's really powerful. I can see, I actually had a situation and I don't, I don't know that my conscious mind would remember it except that my parents took a picture. When I was two years old, we were camping and I was asleep in the tent and my parents, you know, my family, they, they were just like, they were right there. They were close by, but I came, I woke up and came out of the tent and I, the, no one was there. The mm -hmm. whole campsite was empty. And I, mm -hmm. you know, there's, they, and they, you know, rather than rushing over to comfort me, they took a picture because I'm sure to them it was really adorable of me standing there with this long t-shirt on, just crying my eyes out because nobody was there, you know? And, uh, I mean, who knows, right? What's that doing for me today? But I can look back on that as an adult and say, you know, they thought I was so cute, you know, with my big t-shirt on crying. And that's why, because they knew I was safe and right. I could just like totally change my whole future just by looking at it now with a new lens and being more, well, rational, not even rational, right? You have an adult mind now. You can be a little bit more logical, I guess, and, and uh, not so whatever in the moment. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, our parents did the best that they could. And who we become is typically always because of our mothers, our fathers, the caretakers who took care of us. And parents weren't given a manual on how to raise your children, right? You got raised basically from your grandparents and your great grandparents by them passing down all this information of right, wrong, good or bad to raise a child. And like you said, like your parents are like, oh my God, it's so cute, right? But that child inside is petrified. And now that child's probably looking for everything in life of people not to show up or people to say they're gonna be in and then they jump out, right? And they're probably people who think that um, I'm always going to be alone. I'll have to do things alone, right? What, whatever it may be. Um, and so knowing that our parents did the best that they could, they, they don't know. I mean, now we have apps that tell you the cycle of the fetus all the way up to like your child's 18 years old. And it tells you exactly what they're feeling and thinking and their emotions. It's so crazy, right? But back then they were winging it. 
you know, and they still, we still are winging it because there is no manual, right, to raising our children. And I remember my family, we're Pacific Islander, we're Samoan, we're very big surfers. Everyone in my family is a fish. And my mom and my uncle decided to put me on a surfboard at like four years old. I mean, I was just a baby, right? And I went flying off of the surfboard. And till this day, I am petrified of the ocean, like petrified, right? And it's, it, I'm so scared of it. But it's because they felt they were doing something right, which they were. Uh, but then this experience happened like you. You come out of the tent, and you're like, where the fuck is everybody, right? <laughs> but they didn't mean it intentionally. You know, there's always great intentions behind it. And life happens and it served us. It, it really, it does serve us at the end of the day. Yeah, maybe I'm more in, independent because of that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, hey, that could be a good thing. But it seems like the line, you know, as we're going into all this past life and, and all these sort of issues that bring up the line between coaching and therapy. I mean, how do you draw that line? It seems like it's kind of wavy. So the difference between coaching and therapy is one therapy is state regulated and coaching isn't regulated. And with coaching, we're always moving you forward towards a goal. And so you have great intentions on losing 20 pounds, saving $50,000, you know, trying to find your soulmate and we're working towards something. Now, when we're stuck, cause all of us get stuck. We have blocks, right? We have challenges. There's fear that comes up. Well, what we're feeling as challenges and blocks and fear always has something to do from the past. So we do shine light on it, rewrite the story. So you become empowered, you release it. And then now you could take action going forward. Now with therapy, and I believe every one of these, therapy, counseling, coaching serves everybody. And I think that there's certain times in life where you will utilize one or the other. And for therapy, there is a space where if someone has recently gone through a traumatic event, like sexual abuse or emotional abuse, and they, they've experienced something very traumatic, and they're not in a state to, to really move forward on a goal. And they're needing to sit there and just talk about it and use the therapist more as a sounding board and just vent. And they just want to, you know, be in a space of release, 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 release. And they're maybe stuck on why did this happen to me? And they're stuck there. So versus why did this happen to me? Now let me take action. They're kind of like, why, why, why? And they would work with a therapist in that position. And so, and therapy tends to spend more time in the past on or the current event that's happening where with coaching, we're always progressing forward. So you're more geared toward the future and making sure that we're, the person's prepared for all with all the tools they need to meet that goal and to be that person that they're trying to become or that they're working to, to become. Yes. Mm -hmm. What other kind of, so we, we've got NLP, what other kind of resources, whatever, 
what other sort of tools do you use and can we use just as lay people for to help us achieve our goals for 2021 there is amazing power in meditation and being able to silence your mind um, and to be able to activate your crown chakra and your third eye. There is amazing power in breath work. So I am a breath work practitioner and breath work supports our nervous system with stress, anxiety. I believe breath work is the fountain of youth and makes you look younger. Um, and then there's also using breath work and meditation amplifies your connection to source and you you can take yourself into more of a spiritual cosmic trance um, and to be able to go into that space of more of a euphoric feel. And it's through breath work that you create your own DMT. And there's two times in life where you actually feel your natural DMT, which is your connection to the God molecule. And that's in birth which you probably don't remember. <laughs> and it's literally the last second of life. And then boom, you feel it. And then that's the end of it. But with breath work, you actually create and cultivate your own DMT, which is where people tend to have the most connection to that higher power for themselves. And somatic dance and dancing is so powerful. And you know, when you go to a karaoke bar or you go to a bar or you go to a music concert, the frequency and the vibration of the music gets your body moving and you're happy and you're giggling and you're with your friends and you just feel on top of the world. Well, endorphins are being released in that. And so dancing, do as much as possible by yourself even, but naked in your house and you will feel so much liberation of being in that space of just feeling yourself and being one in your body. The more you're in your body, the less ruckus you have in your mind. But people are so disconnected from our bodies. We have abused them in the past and they're so foreign to us but this body is the vehicle. And the more you could be in your body, the more you're actually going to amplify the energy and the frequency and the vibration. The, it's not the mind that's the frequency and the vibration, it's actually the physical body. And you do that through meditation, breath work, somatic dance, dance, any type of sound healing um, is also very powerful because the frequency and the vibration hits the nervous system. And basically it's recalibrating your chakra system and you're releasing and releasing. And so, and the more you release, so imagine your cup is full of toxins and stress and anxiety and worry, and it's full, right? But once we start to do this work, it starts to vibrate and it starts to dispense. Um, and then you become a clear channel for God, source, universe, Jesus, whoever it is for you, you become a clear channel 
And now you can receive the DNA activations. You can receive the life codes. You can receive the manifestations. You start to activate your psychic capabilities. You start to channel. You start to notice that there's more to this physical world that you haven't always seen. It's interesting. I was listening to uh, Abraham Hicks the other day talking about that, that you know, of course, when you want to manifest something, you try to imagine how that's going to feel to have this thing. But if that's too much of a stretch, just feel, do something that makes you feel positive, do something that makes you feel good. And like you say, I mean, dancing's fantastic because you don't have to, I, you know, a weird thing this year. And I don't think it's ever, I don't know if it always happened, but I get these earworms with these stupid Christmas songs and they just like, you know, I'll just repeat the same two lines of some Christmas song. I'm just like, you know, get out, get out, you know, and something like dancing. Right. And you just can, can totally just let your mind clear. Right. That's mm -hmm. such a gift. Uh, I've had a lot of challenges with meditation. Um, any sort of tips for that? I know a lot of people have trouble shutting off the, <laughs> the monkey, the monkey barrel. <laughs> so we have this perception that meditation is mm, right. And we close our eyes and we activate our third eye. And that is one way of meditation. There is many different ways to meditate. And that is a space of sometimes just going for nature walks, leave your phone behind and just be one with nature. And, uh, and that is a space of meditation. Another space of meditation is art therapy. So just drawing and painting, dancing is a form of meditation. Are you familiar with soul cycle? So I love soul cycle. We don't have one here in South Carolina and it's done intentionally. And so you get on the bike and you're cycling and they have a playlist of songs and these playlists of songs is frequency vibration. They have words. So it's penetrating your body and your subconscious mind. You're opening up the fascia at the same time. You're opening up the nervous system. You're getting more oxygen and endorphins, right? And you're going and you're going, you're going, and you get to the top of the mountain and then whoom, you come down and the music hits and a lot of people They'll either get amplified with power or they'll have a big release of tears. And so there is power on, in the space of movement. Some people, yes, going to, to the gym is therapeutic, but when you're doing something like soul cycle or you're doing, um, there's another one. It's a bike that they mail to your house. Um, and I'm drawing a blank of what it's called but it's set up to a space of healing for the body. There's mm -hmm. also, there's this woman, she owns a platform called The Class and it is one hour sessions from home, live classes, and they're taking you through exercise, but it's done intentionally with music um, to get you to, to go to a space of surrender, to a space of allowing, a space of receiving. Um, and it's so therapeutic. And so there's different ways to tap into meditation. Um, and if you're wanting to go the traditional way, uh, the one where you just sit quietly, 
um, and you're wanting to activate your third eye. For some people in the beginning, you might wanna play some music. And there is some great channels on YouTube that play endlessly. <laughs> and um, it's like a live channel. Mm -hmm. And you can go there and you might need some music just to calm the mind, right? Because the music is taking you on a journey. And there's like cosmic music and there's jungle music and there's all kinds of themes, right? And so if you tap into using music in the beginning, that might support you, but also don't become codependent on music. You know, start to slowly like one day try without it. Also, if, you're, if you want to do traditional meditation, you might want to start with just five minutes and then increase to seven and then increase to 11. And just, and you don't have to increase with every meditation session. Maybe you stay on five minutes for a whole week and then build it up with compound interest. Cause now you're telling the subconscious mind, this is what we're doing. And now you're controlling the mind. Mm -hmm. And then through that space, you just continue to surrender and you'll eventually have your quantum leap. Thank you. That's very helpful. Mm -hmm. It's good to know that my, my nature walks are considered at least somewhat meditative. I mean, I, I feel that way, but I, but mm -hmm. it's not, I don't know. Someone told me that if you're moving, it kind of messes it up. <laughs> you know, I don't think there's any right or any wrong. Uh, I think that depending on what type of state you want to get into and how you want to feel. And so, cause I know that there is power in sitting still and focusing on the third eye to where you can start to see colors and you start to feel like you're traveling through the cosmos and the universe. I also know that there's power in meditating and doing breath work and you start to activate your root chakra and you start to activate the kundalini energy and you open up ancient portals within yourself. And then you have the space where you go out to the ocean and you go out to the woods and you do a hike and now you're connecting with mother earth and she and herself has medicine for you. And so I think that they, they all can bring something different for yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you. What other, so we're kind of coming to the end of our time and I will obviously want to respect your schedule and your time. What other things should, anything I should have asked you that you wish I would have asked you that I didn't or anything in particular you want to share for, for folks who are getting ready to start a new year? I think that you've asked me some beautiful questions uh, and, and this has definitely been a, a massive download of tools <laughs> and tips and, you know, what I just advise people to do uh, is be graceful, give yourself grace. It might not look perfect the way you want it right away, but know that Rome wasn't built overnight and that we're creatures of habit and what we typically are fighting with our old ways and it's okay to have that battle but to just keep going in every day with a new intention. And if you can just get in the space of starting with setting your intention for the day, you will start to see change in your life, you know? And then everything after that is a bonus. And just because it doesn't go exactly the way you planned, 
just keep getting back up every day. Keep getting back up every day. Um, and that's the magic is choosing yourself to just get back up every day. Beautiful. Oh, one other thing I want to ask you, because you talked before about uh, interviewing some different coaches and stuff like that. What's the best way to find a resource with, with lists of coaches and people who you could call upon to start that process? Yes. So I am credentialed through International Coaching Federation. And if you go on their website, there is hundreds and hundreds of coaches on there. And I recommend them because they are the highest solidification, meaning these coaches took the extra steps um, to actually solidify that this is what I do as a profession. It's not a hobby of mine. And so I can say that these coaches have done the work um, and I would feel safe to refer any of them um, when they're coming through ICF. And that would be the place to go. Or if you're interested in coaching, you can definitely contact me. And I'm going to put your date, your info on the website, but just real quick, how, what's the best way for people to reach out to you? Right now, I'm in a very interesting transition. So I do have a website. It's called templeofbreath.com. And so you could definitely reach me there right now. Also, you can find me on LinkedIn, Ray Carmen, or you can find me on Instagram. I am Ray Carmen and or Facebook. Um, and so any one of those platforms will definitely get you in contact with me. Excellent. Ray, thank you so much. I hope that all your fun, exciting, liberating, spiritual rituals bring you a fantastic 2021. Oh, thank you, sister. And I wish you well. And thank you for allowing me to be with everyone here today. And I wish you well. And we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. And thanks, listener, for listening. We're really hopeful that this gives you a great way to start off 2021. All the resources that we talked about today are on getyourfillpodcast.com. And I just want to mention that on the 16th of January, and I'll put a link also on getyourfillpodcast.com, um, having a class called Real Estate Investing Is It For You? It's a free virtual class. And I would love to have you there. Thank you and Happy New Year.